0: You are tuning into Pro Bono Perspectives live from Brooklyn, where the city never sleeps and purpose is more than just a buzzword. Pro Bono Perspectives brings together leaders that have traveled across sectors, industries, and experiences on their path to creating change for the communities in which they live and work. And I'm your host, Danielle Hawley, CEO of Common Impact, a national nonprofit that designs skills-based volunteer programs that amplify the impact of social change organizations by harnessing the talents and the skills of private sector employees. I am lucky enough to cross paths with these leaders every day through my work with Common Impact and can't wait to bring you behind the scenes to share their stories. Hi everyone, I am joined here today
1: by May Malik, who has recently stepped into the role of Deputy Commissioner of the Mayor's Office of Immigrant Affairs, where she works with a team that implements programs and policies that alleviate the distinct barriers that immigrant New Yorkers face. Previously, and when I met May, she was serving as the director of public-private partnerships with. NYC Service, where she designed and led strategic cross-sector partnerships to leverage financial and people power, something that Common Impact cares a lot about, in addressing the city's greatest needs. They also worked in Sudan as part of an effort between Save the Children and the Federal Ministry of Education to provide psychosocial intervention programming to children in conflict and post-conflict zones. She has also, there's not
0: enough breath to talk about what May has done.
1: (laughs) She has also helped to design communications and support fundraising strategies for a nonprofit called La Lola that provides arts and life skills training to youth in South Africa and in Northern Uganda. And one of her mottos is where there's a will, there is a way. Love that. Welcome, May. Thank you so much for taking a little bit of time out of your day to join us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So let's start with the work that you do right now at the Office of Immigrant Affairs. Tell us what that every day looks like. Sure. So I'll, I'll start a little bit just for, for those listeners who are unfamiliar with uh, the Mayor's Office of Immigrant Affairs, um, which we call Moya. So I'll start just by giving a little background on that. Um, Moya is an office of, of the New York City Mayor that's charged with a pretty broad mandate to advance programs and policies that promote the well-being of immigrant New Yorkers. So the role that we play is looking at the barriers that immigrants face with a special focus on those hard-to-reach immigrant populations and their ability to access city resources so that they can enhance their social and civic integration, as, as well as their rights as they advocate for their own immigration status at the federal level. Um, We work with a number of city agency partners and nonprofit partners to carry out that mandate, especially for those um, uh, extra vulnerable populations. You know, the mayor has said that our goal is for New York City to be the fairest big city in America. So these partners are the ones who really deliver the critical social, health, legal and education services that are needed by immigrant New Yorkers. Um, We also work closely with our city agency partners around language access, which ensures that they continue to develop policies that allow them to really speak the languages of immigrant New Yorkers. Um, As deputy commissioner, I have the privilege of leading the agency's external affairs portfolio, and that uh, really focuses on our efforts around communications and media. Um, outreach and organizing and constituency services and intergovernmental affairs. Um, and I also have the great honor um, of continuing my public-private partnerships work by cultivating business sector and philanthropic relationships that advance our priorities, including around increasing equity among uh, immigrant populations in New York City and new york city is a, you know, a city that's that's made of immigrants our population is 8.6 million 3.1 i believe or immigrants 3.2 now so over a third of the city is comprised of an immigrant population and so how when you talk about you know the mayor wanting to make new york city the fairest city uh, or the fairest big city and new york is just such a Goliath, how do you imagine that that makes your job easier or harder than in other cities that may have a smaller percentage or smaller number of immigrants? Sure. Yeah. I mean, as you can imagine, we tackle a number of challenges, but there are really opportunities to drive equity. Um, it, first of all, can I just say it's so beautiful. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Sudanese born California raised New Yorker, right? I am so proud to be a New Yorker and it's such a, privilege to be serving this administration and to be living in a city that is home to now 3.2 million immigrants, which is, by the way, the largest number in the city's history. Um, Immigrants actually comprise nearly, the last data is 37.1% of the city population and 44% of its workforce. And the foreign-born population resides in all corners of the five boroughs. But Certain neighborhoods, primarily in Queens and Brooklyn and parts of the Bronx and Manhattan, have particularly high concentrations of immigrant residents. Um, there are also more than 200 languages spoken here, which adds another beautiful layer to New York City's incredible diversity. But of course, to your point, you know, being a city that is home to such a large and diverse immigrant population brings with it... um the challenging and important charge of ensuring the success of immigrants. And under the direction of Mayor Bill de Blasio, we focused as Moya on three critical priority areas. And first, we enhance the economic, civic and social integration of immigrant New Yorkers. And, and we've got a number of different programs to help us do that, like IDNYC, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, and we speak NYC, which is our, uh, Emmy award nominated, by the way, English language learning program. Very excited about that. Um, second, we, we facilitate access to justice by making investments in immigration legal help through programs like Action NYC, which offers free and safe immigration help in your community, in your language, as well as our Know Your Rights forums, which, um, uh, are are born out of a partnership with the Robin Hood Foundation. And these forums enable us to get the word out to the community about critical resources that are available to them. And then lastly, we are constantly advocating for inclusive immigration reform at all levels of government. Um, if I may, I do want to touch upon briefly, while I have your wonderful audience and your attention, just on something that we're going head-to-head with right now, um, that's a significant challenge that's facing immigrant communities. Um, and it's something called public charge. Federal immigration law currently provides that immigration authorities can, can, uh, I guess, deem certain applicants for a visa or for a, an adjustment of status for legal permanent resident to be inadmissible if they are likely at any time to be a public charge. And under current federal policy, a public charge uh, determination looks at things like cash assistance program, uh, programs for income maintenance and um, government funded institutionalization for long term care. But the current policy also gives like significant weight for like those affidavits of support that are filed by an immigrant sponsor, you know, saying, I know this person, they're great, they're going to contribute to the economy, they're going to be wonderful additions to the United States, Um, you know, really showing evidence that an individual would not become a public charge. On October 10th of last year, the Department of Homeland Security published a proposed rule change to public charge that if it's finalized, it would expand the applicability of public charge and admissibility, which basically means it expanded the definition of who would be considered a public charge. Um, and that means a lot of folks... um, could be denied green cards or certain kinds of visas for accessing certain public benefits for which they are legally eligible simply because of their age or health or education and employment history and other factors. Um, and this could really have a, a significant impact on hundreds of thousands of New Yorkers because of this chilling effect, because now we've got the proposal. Um, you know, the, the public charge proposal is, is underway. Uh, in December people had an opportunity to submit public comments. Those public comments are being reviewed, but there's something called this chilling effect, uh, where families could potentially withdraw from or forego critical social safety net programs, right? Because of this like culture of misinformation and fears of the consequences they're applying or being a part of these public benefit programs could have on their immigration status. Um So what we're committed to doing now, and this is really a multi-agency effort, is really ensuring that immigrant New Yorkers know that this is just a proposal. It's not a final change. Not all immigrants would be impacted. Um, And you can you can find more information on nyc.gov slash public charge. Our website is a really great resource for information about this. But I I thought it would be a perfect opportunity to talk about um, because I know last time you, you and I spoke privately, you were like, what's, what's like a pressing issue? And this is really a pressing issue. One of the many for the office right now, as you could imagine.
0: I can imagine. And I imagine, um, that, that chilling effect is
1: sometimes even more powerful than the actual policy itself, right? And, uh, a longer tail. So I so appreciate you sharing that with our listeners. When you speak about this, you can tell that you speak with so much passion and excitement. What brings you to this work? Your last role while it was within the city seems different, right? Than this, the director of public-private partnerships with New York City Service. What, um, what brought you to your current role? What motivated you? Yeah. So, you know, I had been. Um, you know, I've worked in the private sector, the nonprofit sector, and now I've been with city government for um, over three and a half years now. Um, and but the through thread of the work that I've done has been like, you know, uh leveraging public and private partnerships and corporate philanthropy or foundation philanthropy and, and corporate volunteer engagement and and this role obviously is is different. Um, in terms of topic area and, and the populations that we, we target. Um, but there is an opportunity, um, to really integrate service and I'll get to that in a second. But I think what really brought me to this role is my own personal story. You know, I was, I was born in Sudan. My family and I moved to the U.S. when I was around three years old. I became a naturalized citizen when I was 15. I went on to find some, you know, really great personal and professional successes and began to feel really comfortable as a new American. But over the past couple of years, I began to slowly recognize and I think unpack the privileges that I've had as someone whose pathway to citizenship was certain, right? And, and, and I decided to go into a space that would allow me to take my experiences and my skills and my relationships and partnerships to support and empower immigrants like myself and like my incredible parents. Um, and from a, uh, from a, from a volunteerism or public private partnerships perspective, just kind of touching on the work that I did most recently at NYC service, it, it's, it's important to highlight that, you know, the issues are still the same, right? Like, New York City depends on thousands of nonprofits to deliver services to address critical issues facing New Yorkers. Millions of people rely on critical health and human services, and and these services are delivered by a mere couple hundred or few hundred thousand workers. And these folks, you know, face some pretty serious fiscal and human capital constraints. And to that end, there are incredible organizations across the city working for on behalf of immigrants that are. Committed to enhancing their social and economic pathways, and the nonprofits that we work with at Moya, like any other nonprofits, your corporate partners or any companies listening right now, um, are, are very similar, right? In that they they are driven by profound social mission. They they face the same constraints, um, and you know they're dealing with a population that has severe disparities between. Uh, um, immigrants who are, uh, U.S. citizens and those who are not citizens in terms of health, housing, labor earnings, and poverty. And our immigrant communities deserve our support because their success is directly tied to the overall success of the city. So I do believe, and, and this is something that I'm uh, excited about bringing to Moya in a, in a, in a systemized, um, and I think innovative way that volunteering can plug a growing hole in the capacity of many of these immigrant-serving organizations that work to promote the social and economic well-being um, of a vulnerable population and corporate volunteerism, whether it's skills-based or pro bono or direct service, can play a pretty clear um, mechanism for strengthening the capacities of these nonprofits. Um, so I- I'm excited about that work, and I think I saw this Transition as an opportunity to fulfill a personal mission, but also an opportunity to uh, leverage public-private partnerships in a way that could really help move the needle on some pressing immigration-related challenges faced by our city's immigrant-serving nonprofits. And I often think about, and you and I have had many conversations around how people and talent and pure intention and generosity of our citizens is our most untapped philanthropic asset. Oh my gosh, yes. And I'm thinking about that in relation to how do we not only unlock that, but how do we think about that, particularly for the set of nonprofits that are working on immigrant and refugee issues? Are there specific ways in which you see that the... Needs of those organizations as being different or a, a way for individuals to plug in. One of the things that um, is, has always been remarkable to me is, and it's true right now, is volunteerism is actually going down right now. Um, and New York is pretty close to the bottom of the list in terms of overall population that volunteers, not because there's, there's not intention there, there's just not a way to activate those individuals and they don't know where to begin and how to plug in and how to, you know, translate the headline to service. So curious for your take on that. If someone was listening and wanted to quote unquote, get started, what would be your advice to them? Yeah. I mean, go to, um, you know, visit our website, NYC devs, uh, nyc.gov slash Moya M O I A. We do have a volunteering page, um, I, I'll talk a little bit about some of the ways that um, Moya itself leverages the power of volunteers to drive its mission. IDNYC is our free identification card for all New York City residents. So if you're listening and you're a New York City resident, sign up for one. Um, it gives every New Yorker the opportunity to show who we are, right? Like we are New Yorkers. We are one and unified. But volunteers have the opportunity to reach out to communities in all five boroughs and increase awareness of the benefits of the IDNYC program and encourage new enrollments. Um, Our Know Your Rights forms are incredible, and they're being uh, led by a pretty talented team across the city. They're organized to bring critical awareness to immigrant communities about the resources that are available to them, and we're always looking for volunteers to assist um, as facilitators. So that's a really great professional development opportunity. That's a really great skills-based opportunity, um, and then we also recently leveraged pro bono services during a volunteer—or not recently, but last, you know, in, um, last in 2008 uh, during a volunteer trip by Commissioner Vito Mostofi of Moya to Dilly, Texas, which included volunteer city attorneys and licensed clinical social workers. Um, the volunteer group assisted hundreds of cases, including preparing like asylum seekers and. Providing mental health screenings at the South Texas um, Family Residential Center, which is the largest U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement family detention center in the country. So those are our own ways, and 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 I am looking internally and speaking with my team to look at how do we expand it and have a more robust corporate volunteer engagement piece. But I, I do implore and encourage people to. You know, to not view immigrants serving nonprofits, uh, any differently than you view other nonprofits. I mean, they are, they, they serve vulnerable populations. They require critical capacity, you know, and they require, require the strengthening of that capacity. They need, to, uh, you know, the power or that people power that I like to call it in order to, um, more effectively and efficiently deliver their services and expand the network of people that they serve, that is, that is a common goal. A nonprofit is a nonprofit. They are driven by a social mission, right? The, so if you, if you are a mentor, there are nonprofits that serve immigrants that are looking for mentors to mentor their youth, right? If you are someone who is huge on environmental stewardship, there are immigrant serving nonprofits in, in vulnerable communities that are that have gardens that haven't been cleaned up in a real while in a long time and they need support to really maintain that and, and and really beautify that space. So the challenges are faced all across the board. Of course, but when we when we talk about immigration specific uh issues, we we there's always a need and a desire to plug in pro bono legal services naturally, right? and and um and we have a program called Action NYC that offers free and safe uh immigration uh help in in different languages um but there is always uh i implore your your listeners to really think about serving these nonprofits um no differently than they do uh serve any other nonprofit does that make sense i think from a from an from an overall public private partnerships perspective The fact of the matter is, the public sector has reach, right, and the private sector has flexibility. And this interest in innovation, and New York City is home to more Fortune 500 businesses than any other city in the country. So we're in a really great position to leverage the commitment to social impact of of your business partners, my business partners, everybody else's business partners. Identify common goals and values with these immigrant-serving New Yorkers. And uh, immigrant-serving CBOs, and then work together to improve the socioeconomic conditions of all New York City residents, regardless of immigration status. And and I think these goals are are certainly shared, and it's a really powerful motivator. Well, as you talk, I'm just feeling lucky to have someone like you thinking about this Aww. and uh, thinking about <laughs> you broadly. You know, I think um, just thinking about service and volunteerism in general, we too often get stuck in the perception of what that volunteerism or services and pro bono often gets stuck in the you know the the founding and it's legal profession and legal and transactional pro bono which is critical and there's so much more to it as as you're talking about. And can I just add, Danielle, like these immigrant serving CBOs, like any other CBO that serves a vulnerable population, they've got marketing needs, you know? they need someone to help them come up with a fundraising strategy, right? They need someone to take a look at their financial systems and recommend an overhaul. I mean, they're dealing with constraints and if if there's if you're if you're driven by and motivated by the issues affecting a significant number of our population in New York City, um, you know, around immigration, then, then let's support these immig- immigration or immigrant serving CBOs so that they can better protect our most vulnerable workers. I mean, the issues are the same. Um, you know, they all need a strategic plan, right? They need some bylaws written up. They need some marketing help, some graphic design help. Um, pro bono volunteering is so valuable literally and figuratively. Um, it could really make a difference to these nonprofits in terms of who else they're able to support and how many more they're able to support across the city. And it just highlights that everyone has something, right? Everyone has a set of skills, experiences that they can contribute. You talked a bit about how your own experience motivates you to do the work that you do every day. I also know that you have traveled to more than thirty countries in your lifetime, which makes me tired just thinking about it. <laughs> but also <laughs> tired. how has that served you in either your current role or your career in general, I imagine? It must really give you a broad perspective. Oh my gosh. Oh boy did it, Danielle. I feel like we can do like a whole other uh podcast interview just dedicated to my time traveling for work. Um First of all, it was a a total, total privilege. Um, It's where my passion for public-private partnerships and external affairs comes from, right? It it came out of my time traveling for work. And this was back when I was in the entertainment industry. You know, I was a part of an international team working towards a common goal. And every stakeholder played a valuable part. and, And like the parts of the machine, we all needed to work together in order to function. And it was through that experience that, um, and this is pretty cliched, but I learned that no person is an island, right? Especially in the professional world and that relationships are the through thread of meaningful work that in order to really, uh, identify and, and create change that is lasting and sustainable and meaningful, you have to lean on one another, trust one another, depend on one another and work together collaboratively, openly, in a way that is non-assumptive. Um, it was, uh, it was the, um, a, a very formative time. And I'm so thankful for that experience. Plus, I got to travel to 30 plus countries. So I got to see the world in short bits. And I, um, I realized, you know, um, a lot of the issues that we face here are faced abroad and, just globally, you know, there's a lot of, there are a lot of shared concerns and it's not just on immigration, it's climate change, it's human rights, it's gender equity, these are all issues and these are all issues that are served and, and, um, worked on by tireless and fearless nonprofits and non-governmental organizations across the world. So the conversation that you and I are having right now, is applicable on a global scale and that's really powerful when you think about it, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's eye-opening it's motivating. It, it can overwhelm, right? But it's that mm-hmm. it, when you think about the the needs that we have and the resources we have to address those needs, it's really about identifying and connecting the dots, not that we need to create more or make more, but just that we need to get the right resources to the right people. Exactly. What has been the most challenging part of your career so far? I think, um, that's a good question. I, uh, I think what's been the most challenging is also the most rewarding. Um, and it's rooted in this space of like external affairs and public-private partnerships. I think, especially, especially during my time working in the nonprofit space and now in the city, I think that's a little bit more applicable that it's been both rewarding and challenging. Understanding the the issues that this city and city government or the public sector is trying are are trying to address, and and the problems that they're trying to solve for, and then socializing these issues for private, you know, and, and corporate and philanthropic partners ha- is is interesting. It's challenging because, you know. To your, like, the dots aren't always that clear. Um, but when you do make them clear, it's extremely rewarding. And really the clarity comes in the fact that we need each other. Like we, it is, it is, um, the the greatest, most innovative work in this city and not just in New York City, but in other fantastic sister cities across the uh, country and the world has come out of this merging of, of the public and the private. And so that's been uh, an interesting um, aspect of my career, especially during my time in the nonprofit and and, and uh, city sector. I think so many uh, great social and economic programs are born out of that bridging between them, and including our own stuff like Know Your Rights, which is you know partly funded by Robin Hood Foundation. Also, there's just significantly more more power in numbers, and um, when you bring uh, a diversity of expertise and interests and dynamics and experiences to the table and what's bridging them is working towards this common goal is just, it's incredible. It is a challenge to get there, right? Uh, it's not easy. I've, 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 you know, uh, in my, I've also played a pretty significant role as a fundraiser, um, leveraging federal and private dollars and, and, and that's an aspect of public-private partnership that is really critical and, and really hard, but when it does come together, oh gosh, it, it, I I can't even put into words. Honestly, um, it's it's definitely rewarding. As we wrap up, and as you've talked about all of the the uh, roles and things that have driven you, and the work that you're doing, and uh, you know, just such a clear impact on New Yorkers and and the city. I'm curious uh, for the the very micro what's what's the best part of your day oh, i love this question uh oh, what a great way to end this uh interview um because it's what i'm looking forward to right right, right now right after this interview i'm going to wind down my day and then i'm going to see my family so i have um an incredible spouse of oh gosh we're coming up on we're nine years a beautiful four and a half year old like maybe these two are my everything so spending time with family has always been important, but as I move up in my career it becomes increasingly important. Um, I FaceTime or WhatsApp video chat really, uh, with my, with my parents in, uh, Sudan and my family in Egypt practically every morning. I look forward to that. Um, uh, listening to music and opening up my daughter to music, which is really great is a big rewarding part of my day and something that I really look forward to. Um, but last but not least, um, truly and utterly working with the dedicated and smart and passionate people at the mayor's office as a whole and at the mayor's office of the immigrant affairs. I mean, these folks could be doing anything anywhere, um, but they're here for a reason and they are deeply concerned with the with the um with making sure that New York serves as a national and global model for welcoming and integrating and celebrating immigrants and and closing the gap for immigrant outcomes and advocating advocating for protection for immigrant rights i mean it is it is a beautiful thing we've got uh, folks straight out of college and folks that have been with the agency um since the start of the administration um, and we are, um, all guided by our North Star, our fearless leader, Bita Mstelfi, who is a delight, uh, and it is a privilege to work under her. Um, I mean, really, they are truly a big part of the best part of my day. So, um, shout out to them. <laughs> thank you so much, May, for spending a little bit of time with us. Danielle, thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. I am so, um, honored to know you and honored to have been a partner of Common Impact for many years. I, the work that you do is so important and um, truly I'm excited to be a part of Pro Bono Perspective. So thank you for having me on.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Pro Bono Perspectives today. If you like our show and want to learn more, check out our website at commonimpact.org. Leave us a review and tell your friends and colleagues about us. Tune in to our upcoming episodes to hear from everyday leaders using their skills to help their communities.